you so much for listening to our podcast today at Word of Life. We know summer is busy with traveling and all things fun, but we have good news for you. You can stay in church even while on vacation through our online campus. You can watch live on Sundays at 10 and 1130 and get fed throughout the week with inspiring articles, message series, and so much more at thelifeonline.cc. Thank you for listening and enjoy the message. Today, I want to talk about the subject of rest and Sabbath. Rest and Sabbath. So let's open up our Bibles today to the book of Hebrews. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 4. And then, of course, we'll go back into song and worship at the end of the service. Hebrews chapter 4. So several years ago, I was doing some marriage counseling. uh, And it's rare that I do counseling, especially now. Uh, And the chief reason for that is I'm not very good at it. (laughs) And the reason why I'm not very good at it is I hesitate to tell people what they need to know. Uh, So out of that, it's like, you know, I'll listen. uh, But then like when you only have a certain amount of time, like you need to get to the point and you need to be straightforward. I'm like, this is just not my cup of tea. But anyway, I found myself in marriage counseling and it was a young couple that was going through some hard times. Uh, and it was just, you know, a season of life where there were more complications and, and more resistance kind of from life and in the household than a flow. And I think we, we all, if you've been married, like you, you know times when you're kind of flowing in marriage. And then you also know when there may be times where there's like resistance to that flow. And it could be something happening outside the house or inside the house or in the life of, of one of the people who are married. Uh, But for this couple, it seemed like it was kind of a mixture of everything, and she began to express that they had um, come to this place as a young married couple where they have kids, and, uh, you know, she's pregnant again, and all of these types of things. The job uh, was new. Both of them had new jobs. They just moved to a new city, uh, so the city is new, and so they're, they're covering kind of all these bases. And then she begins to say what she felt like the problem was. And, of course, it was her husband. (laughs) And so out of that, uh, she said he's so, and then went on to explain what he was. It's like he's not there. Um, It is like he is distant. He's not responsive. Um, It just seems like he's not, like, diving into this to kind of fix it. And she's going into all of these things that he is not, which, you know, that's kind of what you're there for. Uh, But I could kind of get the impression that this was not like a a one-time thing, that this was not something that was like a revelation (laughs) in the session, that he was not these things, that this was something that was very clear to him. And um, so finally there was a break in the session, you know, just kind of a moment where it was still. And I immediately, with the help of the Holy Spirit, kind of saw how to navigate this. Because that's one thing that I'm doing the whole time, even while I'm up here, honestly. That's why every service looks a little bit bit different. The whole time I'm talking, I'm trying to listen. Um, And listen to my heart and just kind of see, is there a way I need to go or something I need to change? Uh, So I'm just listening uh, to not just them, but the Holy Spirit while they're talking. I, I see my entry point. And so I look at him and I say, do you know what you are? Just like that, point my finger at him. Do you know what you are? Um, And he looks up. He had been looking down the whole time she was talking. 
he looks up, he looks me in the eye. Do you know what you are? Tired. That's what you are. And he was waiting. You could, t- you could see it on his face. He was waiting for more of kind of the same. And when I said tired, immediately he broke. And just a tear came down his cheek. And I told them what I will tell every married couple here and really every human here today. Uh, For all of us, and this is not just the case for men, but since this is the example, I'll say uh, on behalf of men and since I am one, (laughs) we are more aware of who we are not than who we are most of the time. Um, And everything that she was saying to him, you could already tell he was painfully aware of that, that he had not been those things. And um, what I began the exhortation with her was, so oftentimes in life, we see what someone is not, that we can't see who they are. And instead of speaking to who they are, we speak to who they are not, and we get more of the same, which is why God calls those things that be not as though they are, and oftentimes he knew before he could change a life, he had to change a label. Come on, somebody. Uh, So before I can have you write three-fourths of the New Testament, I've got to change you from Saul to Paul. And before you can have a whole country named after you, Israel, I've got to change you from a deceiver to a prince, and so I'll change your label. Your whole life you've been called Jacob, subplanner, deceiver. Uh, Now you are no longer that. I'm calling you something different. You are Israel. For a prince with man and with me, I have made you. (laughs) Amen. Uh, This is God changing people. And so when God wants to change people, he changes what he speaks over them, and he changes what he speaks into them. Uh, And he begins to use praise and exhortation to speak life into the thing he wants to come alive. Um, And it begins to quicken things. Um, Can these dry bones live? Yes, if you'll speak to them. And if you'll speak to them, the Holy Spirit will go to work. Uh, And I'm telling you, how many of you know the Holy Spirit can change things in me that my wife never could? Amen. And the Holy Spirit can change things in you and in us and in our nation and in our world that we never could. But how does the Lord work with us? He works with us confirming the word with signs following. Uh, And so our words have to be very careful over people. It's one thing to say, you do this. It's a whole other thing to say, you are this. Come on. This is not a marriage teaching, but we'll take it that way if we want to go that way. Uh, It's one thing to say, hey, like we need to work on on listening here. And then uh, another thing to say, like you are just such a poor listener. It's two different things. Uh, One is an action. The other one is a label. Uh, and so out of this, um, I began to kind of address that uh, because when she saw, like when I changed the label instead of indecisive or distant, when I changed the label to tired, it broke something in him. 
with nothing but a different label. Um, and the reason why is because when you look at these things, and I've been pastoring now for a while, so you see this. When you look at these things, it's easy to see the fruit, the fruit of what's going on with the root. And you can come in and you can change, you know, listening for a moment, but if you don't deal with the, the root that is producing the fruit, that fruit will produce again. And so I, I said, like, I have no doubt that some of these things and actions may be true, but the, the source of this is everything you guys told me before. Life is taxing in and of itself. I don't care if things aren't changing, right? Life is taxing in and of itself. You're going to have day in, day in, out interactions with people, with children, with church members, with people uh, that drain you a little, uh, spiritually, mentally, physically. Uh, sometimes nothing even bad happened at work. In fact, it could have been a good week at work. But when you finally sat down, you realize, I'm tired uh, with just a basic kind of week at work. Sometimes uh, it could be like you just went over to a family dinner and you walked away from that thinking, I'm tired. <laughs> you know, and these types of things because uh, life drains us physically, mentally, spiritually. I said, you've got normal life, but then you also have some infants <laughs> like who have entered into the equation, and that is draining you financially, and that is draining you mentally, and that is taking a toll on you physically uh, because your sleep schedule and pattern is off uh, and all of those types of things, and there's been a drain there, and you're in a new city, so you're trying to figure out what store you're grocery shopping at. Like just something as simple as that you're having to think about. And that's training. And then you, you, you started new jobs and you're trying to figure out cultures at that job, what you got to do on the job, who you have to please at the job, like all those types of things. I'm like, that's draining. And then you're also newly married. And so in figuring out how to be married, that's different. And it's like, can't say that, can't leave that there, <laughs> all those types of things. And so I'm like, that is draining. I said, when you all add that up, what you're dealing with is he's operating at 5% and you're operating at 20%, but you both expect each other to be 100% and it just ain't happening. Come on, church. Let me, let me hear you at our other campuses. We are designed by God, literally. Your Bible teaches you how to be refilled. One of our favorite Psalms, Psalms 23, talks about your shepherd having to make you lie down make you. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down. Uh, like literally, why? Because my cup, I, it, it's got to be refilled and my head, it needs to be anointed with oil. I have to be renewed. I have to be restored. All of these are spiritual words because life drains us. And so oftentimes we are walking around drained and tired because we live in a culture uh, that drives us to work. And now with smartphones, we're never away from work. We can work anytime, any place, any day. I can be in England. I can be in Africa. I can be in Lebanon. I've been in Egypt, not just on a mission trip, but working right here for Word of Life. Uh, I can take my work wherever I go, whenever I go. I can work on a date. I can work at a ball game with my kids. I can have all of these things that are there in, in, in my life that are taking life from me, which is why God invented something called the Sabbath um, to renew you. 
and so this year, uh, the Lord in December, I took time out at the end of December to go on a mission trip to Columbia. And before the mission trip started, I took two days to kind of get alone with the Lord and pray and meditate. I do this every year and ask the Lord, what do you want from me in the next year? Like, what do you want me to accomplish? Is there anything I'm supposed to do? Is there any focus that I need to put my attention on? That kind of thing. And so I want to know, like, I want to know from him. Like, I, I know I'm going to tell you some things I want from you. What do you want from me? And this year, the thing that I got over two days of just hanging out with the Lord was one word, rest. And when he spoke to me, rest, literally, I'm like, what does that even look like for me? And I would ask you that question. Do you know what rest looks like for you? Um, in, in a world where every family and child is overscheduled and preplanned um, with every, all these activities, do you even know what rest looks like for you? And so I'm like, okay, like, I don't know. And so I, I, I want to know, like, biblically, what does rest look like for me? And I began to Google and word search in Scripture, rest in Scripture, and just started looking at different references in Scripture uh, to kind of see what did rest look like. If this is my commandment from God for this year, what does that even look like for me? And one of the places I stumbled on, it became a golden text for me this year, is Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 1. Uh, so we'll read here, uh, and then I'll explain something real quick. Therefore, let us fear, if while a promise remains of entering into his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. So let's just pause real quick. He says, you have a promise that's remaining. What this just simply means is a promise that is left on the table. If you have a big family dinner and be like, there's one roll remaining, it means that there is a roll left on the table. So he said, for most of you, you have a promise that's still out there. It's not in your life. It's not something you're practicing. It's not something you have around you, in you. It's still on the table. It is remaining. There is a promise that is remaining of what? Of entering into his rest. And he says, many of you are coming short of it. Um, that when you looked at your life, the last thing you would describe it as is restful. In fact, we, in our culture now, it would be like, that, that just seems wrong to be restful all the time. Like, we want to be productive. We want to rise and slay. We want to accomplish. And we want to, like, take it uh, and all those things. And God is like, meanwhile, there's a promise that's remaining on the table for you. And many of you are coming short of it. And he says, what is it entering into my rest? And what this is talking about is two things. One... He's talking about transitioning from a season of testing, a season of, of not enough, uh, and, and God having to perform a daily miracle to sustain you, and transitioning from a wilderness to a promised land, going from wilderness to promised land, and the promised land was literally labeled the land of rest a land that is flowing with milk and honey, and yes, there'll be work to do in the promised land, but it's a good work, uh, and it's working at a different pace. Uh, it's a land that you can dwell in. It doesn't feel like you're constantly in danger. You can set up shop there, and he, he's talking about that rest. Uh, but then the second thing he talks about in this rest is something called the Sabbath, and this is what I want to pay attention to today. He says here in verse number eight, he says, for if Joshua had given them rest, 
He would not have spoken of another day after that. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered into his rest also himself has rested from his works as God did from his. Therefore, let us diligent, let us be diligent to enter into that rest. Now, notice verse 8, but if we can, pull it up in the Amplified. Uh, Hebrews 4 and verse 8 in the Amplified. This mention of a rest was not a reference to their entering into Canaan. Now, this is entering into a promised land. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken about another day of opportunity after that. Now, this is so important. Because here's what God is saying. Who took the children of Israel into the promised land? Joshua did. So that was part of the rest. But here's what God is saying. So many of you are in your promised land, but you're still not resting. That people would look at your life and be like, man, that's a good life. And you still aren't enjoying it. That you're in it, but you're not eating the fruit of it. You're in it, but you're not calling it good. You're in it, but you're not happy. You're not peaceful. And he's like, you can get in your promised land and be right in the middle of a life you were praying for five years ago and still not enjoy it because you haven't learned to rest. And when I read that in my life, I'm like, oh my gosh, like this was in December. Because you know what? I am in a promised land. Um, like if you'd have told me 20 years ago that this would be my life and we would have campuses and things streaming and people watching all over the world and the, the talent that we have here at the church and the gifts and the anointings and the, you know, the resources, like we were just able to bless a whole bunch of pastors in Belize and, and help them and, and just, you know, bless these pastors who are like Paul, who are tent makers, who are having to work and pastor because there's not enough income in their communities. So we were able to bless them and do a pastor appreciation event like this is prom it's, it's amazing it's amazing but yet in the middle of this amazing life where like literally I, I couldn't ask for for really anything more than what God has blessed this church with and my family with and my wife and my kids but I'll be honest sometimes in the middle of living in this promised land I feel like I still got to attain something because I am chasing after some peace and some joy and coming into a place where it's like I can, I can eat the fruit of my labor. And the more people I've talked to and the, the more people and the more I see, I'm not the only one. That for so many people, if you ask them, like, uh, are you resting? Are you playful? It's like, play? What is play? Who has time for play? Play is what my three-year-old does. Like, all these types of things. It's like, well, at what level would you consider your joy to be at? That you could enter into a land of promise but still leave rest on the table. That you could get the very thing you were asking God to give you, but yet rest is still so far from you. And God is saying, can you consider your ways? and kind of adjust your life. And it's like, well, how would I do that? He's like, Sabbath. <laughs> and it's like, well, what is Sabbath? It's where you cease from your works as God ceased from his. 
And so I began to look at that. I'm like, what, how does the Sabbath work? I'm like, not just for like me, but like for anybody. Like, what does the Sabbath look like? And I looked at my life, and I'm like, work and responsibilities are only increasing. And then like my kids are teenagers, and I got a nine-year-old, you know, and they're, they're involved in all these activities. Like, if I take a day off, like, what happens to them? Like, <laughs> pickups, drop-offs, laundry, uh, you know, all these other types of things that can kind of add up. Like, what does this even look like? And then I I had thoughts of selfishness, uh, that like if I did that, wouldn't I be selfish to my wife? When's her Sabbath? Like what does that even look like for her? How will she go about doing this? And I'm, I'm like, we'd have to change our whole life in order to uh, do this principle. And God is like, exactly. Uh, <laughs> so, so out of this, uh, I began to kind of look at, at some of these things. And one of the scriptures God led me to is a scripture over in the book of Mark. They'll put it up on the screens real quick. Mark chapter two and verse 23. Uh, Jesus here is going to have a teaching moment. And said, and it happened that as he was passing through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples began to make their way along picking the heads of grain, which be considered work. So like according to their minds, on the Sabbath, a day of rest, like you're not going to pick food and eat it, you're just supposed to have food pre-made. And so they're watching Jesus walk through this field with his disciples, picking up the grain and eating it, and they're like, wait a minute. And so the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? In verse 25, and he said unto them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and, and his companions became hungry? How he entered into the house of God in the time of Abathar, the high priest, and ate the consecrated bread, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except uh, the priest, and how he also gave it to those who were with him. Keeps going here. Jesus said unto them, this is the key point. The Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath. He's saying, here's what people did. I told people, take a day of rest, and they began to focus on all the rules. And he's like, no. Um, if, if, you know, somebody came to me after the, the first service at Highland Colony, and they were like, you know, well, for me, like, I really, like, when I hook up my, my um, um, you know, tractor and get it all together and do yard work at, at the house, it's like, that's rest for me. I'm like, do that. He's like, but it feels like work. I'm like, well, does it feel like work or does it feel like rest? He said, well, it feels like rest, but my wife says it looks like work. I'm like, well, if it looks like rest for you, the Sabbath is made for man. Uh, like the Sabbath is a gift for you. It, it's, it's what equals rest to you. And Jesus's point was throw out the rules. It's not about the rules to make this happen. The key is, is are you resting? Are you taking a moment to refill? Are you taking a moment to renew? And so I began to kind of focus on that in my life of like, first of all, like when would I even do like a Sabbath-ish type of life? Like I can't commit to a Sabbath, but let's do like Sabbath-ish things. Like what does that look like for me? And I settled on like, well, if I was going to have part of a day, it would be Monday. Um, you know, I preached all day on Sunday. It's like a marathon. And oftentimes, like, I'll walk, out, I'll walk off stage after this and do, like, a baby dedication. And then after that, I'll preach again. And then after that, I'll have, like, a counseling appointment. Then after that, I'll nap and then go preach again at 106. And so by Monday, it's like I'm pretty drained as well. Uh, and so I, I kind of have this moment of, like, decompression on Monday mornings anyway. I'm like, that'll be a natural time. Uh, so I began to kind of take Mondays off, and I genuinely did not know what to do. 
I'm like, what do you, I bought a book called How Do You Have Fun? Seriously, that's how big of a dork I am. I'm like, I don't even know where to start. Uh, like, what does fun even look like for me? Uh, and so I began to like take walks and journal and drink coffee and then have another cup and sleep as long as I wanted. And then I'd wake up still at like 6.15 and I'm like, you know, sleep longer body, like all these types of things. But I began to kind of get in rhythm with it and kind of figure it out. And me and my wife one day were having coffee. And as we were having coffee, um, she asked me, she said, what's your favorite thing about me right now? And so I told her. And so I asked her, I'm like, well, what's your favorite thing about me right now? Uh, And she, she said, your Sabbaths. And I said, really? And she said, yes. I'm like, why my Sabbaths? And she said, because you're nicer. <laughs> and immediately I got defensive. I'm like, are you telling me I'm not nice? Like, well, she's like, no, you're always nice. But she says, it's like, you're more peaceful. She said, you, you're, you're just more at ease. Like, I see you, you're happier. And like, you're more full. And all these types of things. And she's like, that's a gift to us. And so I journaled this in my notes. You can write it down if you want to. But Sabbath matters not because I'm more rested. Sabbath matters because I'm more loving. And I I, I would just ask you this question. Like, how loving are you? How peaceful, full of peace are you? How joyful are you? And I'd ask you this other question. How peaceful do you want to be? How joyful do you want to be? Because oftentimes the stuff that we're fixing, if I get this another project done at work, or if I get this done, or if I accomplish this, if I do this, if I reach this level of whatever, uh, that I'll have more joy or more peace. And I'm telling you, it's a myth. It is a myth. This ministry is bigger than it has ever been before. We've got more campuses. We've got exciting things going. We'll open up another campus soon in Poindexter. And we have churches. We have two two different things that are asking us to, like, join and merge with them for two other campuses in different places. Like, all of these types of things are, are going on all the time. And I'm telling you, I'm not any more happier than my first married my wife 17 years ago. And we had a 16-inch uh, television, and we'd watch Family Feud eating Quiznos. I'm telling you. <laughs> you're as happy as you choose to rest. When God worked in Genesis, you see God pausing to work Uh, from work and at at the end of each day enjoying the fruit of his work and calling it good. And he's creating this world because here's here's my issue. I love work. I do. I always have. I love what I do for a living. I do it for free. I do it all night. Somebody asked me like, why would you start like another service where you're preaching again, a different message at that? Like, I just love it. I love helping people. And this is not, well, somebody says that's easy for you to do when you're preaching. I love being a barista. I I love, like, really figuring out how to make good coffee and putting a smile on people's face with uh, latte art. And I loved working at Bops. That was my my second job ever was Bops on Lakeland Drive. I was one of the first employees hired when it opened. 
uh, and took over for rallies. And I loved making a concrete well, like taking the topping all the way to the bottom. Come on, somebody. Take it to the bottom. Uh, so, so, but I enjoyed, like people would come and comment on that. And uh, little things like that. And this is the heart of God, is that we don't work to make a living. When God was working, he was working to create a garden of beauty for someone else. And when you find that in life, you find something that gives you life. When you see, like, I am working to add value to humanity, that I am doing my work unto the Lord and for others, there is a, a beauty to that, whether you're a waiter or a waitress or a preacher or a craftsman, whatever you are. My first job, I was 13 years old. My dad said, you're going to work this summer. I'm like, what did I do to disobey you? Tell me now and I'll fix it. He's like, you're going to work this summer. And he, I'm, I'm like, where? He's like, you're going to pour concrete. I'm like, what? I'm like, I made good grades. Like, what, what is going on here? He's like, you're going to learn the value of a dollar. I'm like, I won't spend the dollar. I promise. Just don't make me do this. I tried to send my daughter to work. She's 15. I was 13. I tried to, and they tell me now that a 15-year-old can only work three hours a day. I'm like, where was this when I was 13 pouring concrete? I'm like, I could have used some lawmakers then. Uh, but anyway, uh, so I go out there and I start working. I prayed for rain all the time. Uh, like, Lord, if you love me, let it rain. Uh, so, uh, you know, we'd go out there and I couldn't stand work. Uh, and then um, the guy who I was working with, who was one of my father's best friends, Mr. Carre, um, got me in his truck one morning. That's who I was working for. And we went to this old bank and uh, that we had poured uh, the driveway for and like the parking lot for and we sat across from it he's like you see that I'm like yeah he's like you remember when we did that I'm like yeah he said it is good and I, I looked and I saw like cars on the lot that I had poured and people walking and they didn't even realize they were walking on our work but it brought me joy to just kind of see it. And immediately in that moment, I got, I got what God got in Genesis. I love work. And it just shifted in me. And ever since then, I've been that way. I love work. Uh, and work is almost, when you love it, it is energizing to you. But then I saw in Genesis, and this is what I'm trying to learn in my life, is that God came and he rested from it, and he's asking us to do the same, to have a day where we rest. And so I would just ask you, are, are you, are you having a Sabbath-ish type life where you're pulling away and finding what equals rest for you and incorporating it regularly? Because I have a feeling like there are so many people who are, are married to their wives and their wives are wondering what's wrong with them and they're thinking it's all these other things, but at the root of it is they're tired. And I can't help but to wonder, but, but for how many of uh, employers are looking at their employees and they're wondering, what's wrong with all these people? And the answer is they're tired. And I can't help but to wonder how many employees are looking at their employers and asking, what's wrong with you? And the answer is they're tired. Because we live in a world that has a constant taskmaster and Pharaoh that's like, you'll work and you'll work some more and you'll work some more and some more and some more and some more. And God's like, I'm not Pharaoh. 
He's like, I literally have a promise of rest setting on the table that so many of you are falling short of. And the only reason why is you won't pick it up and eat it. What is Sabbath? I'll give you a couple of things. What is Sabbath? I'll close with this and we'll sing. What's Sabbath? Sabbath is stopping versus going. It's resting versus hurry. It's quiet versus noise. It's connection versus crowds. It's enjoyment versus task. It's taking the moment to see what's right in your life. Hurry will always lead to discontentment. You get overworked, you'll get discontent. You'll see everything in life that's not right. Sabbath is a moment for you to reclaim your joy by just seeing what is in your life that is right. Uh, and it's, it's coming to a moment where you're filling your soul up with gratitude of the blessings that God has placed in your life. It's, it's worship versus worry. And I want to invite you to create some of this space. And for each one, it'll look different. When I, I thought about this for my life, I thought about when me and my wife, we take uh, little couples trips. There was a couple in our church uh, who would just send us uh, for like two or three days somewhere every year. Uh, they called it keeping the flame burning. <laughs> that kind of thing. I'm like, I'll go and drink. Uh, so out of that, uh, so we would go into to different places. And I noticed like whenever we went, um, it was Sabbath. And I didn't even know that that's what it was. But because, you know, you're there, like I would not take my phone or, you know, turn it off, that kind of thing. And I would wake up early because I'm just an early riser, whether I'm, I'm working or not, and just go walking in a city and pray. And some of my best prayers came from those walks where it was just coming organically. And I, I'd find a coffee shop and go in and get, you know, some coffee cake or a carb or something and just sit there and feel at ease. And I, I text my wife, and I'm like, whenever you see this, text me that you're awake and I'll bring you coffee. And after my, like, my third coffee, I'd get a day. <laughs> I'm awake. And I would bring uh, a coffee back to her, and we would just sit. Because for her, you know, as a mom, and she works full time, uh, to just sit in bed is like resting. Because you almost never get that kind of space to just sit and not be something for somebody. Um, and that equals Rest. Uh, for Marcus at Highland Colony today, on his tractor equaled rest. What equals rest for you? It has some type of mix of stopping instead of signing up for everything and resting instead of hurrying to the next thing and having some quiet instead of all this noise and having deep connection with a friend or a family member instead of all these crowds where we're around everyone but connecting with no one. It is enjoyment versus figuring out what I have to do next. It is gratitude instead of seeing what is not right. It is connecting with God instead of connecting with my problem. And God is like, this is on the table for you. Labor to enter into my rest. Uh, and so today, let's just have a moment. We're across all of our campuses. We just rest and worship. And we just come to God and just uh, unleash our worship to him, fill our hearts and life up with his presence. Uh, maybe begin to find like what time in your week, even during worship today, what time in your week you could give over to the master and give to yourself and connect with God in a new and living way and yourself in a new and living way.
Uh, but let's do that today. Let's stand our feet at all of our campuses. I'll pray, and then we'll worship. Father, we come before you. I thank you for your gift of rest unto us. Father, let us labor to enter into rest. Let us not put off rest for another season or another time, another moment or another opportunity. Let us rest now. In Jesus' name. Father, I I thank you that your Holy Spirit will teach us in this way and teach us to be more merciful to ourselves and others, that we're not just wrong all the time. Most of the time, we're just tired. And Father, I thank you that you give us the courage to face our tiredness with a different type of life and schedule that runs counterculture to everything the world is doing. And just disconnect from the world and connect with our hearts and with you, with the Sabbath-ish type life. We love you, Lord. Let us enter into your rest now. In Jesus' name, amen.